Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. So did you guys have fun on Halloween? I saw, yeah. Doug, I saw Doug had a little Spider-Man out. Yeah, it was pretty fun. First two houses were like pretty slow going. Like, why are we going to the stranger's houses? And he's like, <laughs> wait, you get candy? <laughs> This is the best thing ever. He's just running around the neighborhood like a madman. We had a lot more trick-or-treaters this year than we did last year. See, we had less. I was surprised by Because it was actually halfway decent out here. Don't know how it was down in Springfield. Oh, it was all right. I mean, last last year, I want to say we literally got like five kids. And this year, the first group of them, there was more than that. So You're like, we beat it in one fell swoop. Although I have to admit, we're poor people, so we were giving out the cheap candy. Probably not coming back next year. Oh. No, they might use that for throwing at the houses that give out no candy. That's true. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we had uh, fun-sized Kit Kats and gummy lifesavers and Skittles and M&Ms. One of my dreams is to someday be rich enough to be the house that gives out full-size candy bars. Well, yeah. There's a rich neighborhood not too far from me, and rumor has it that if you go there, like, every house gives out full-size candy bars. That's madness. And that's just, like... Like, I can't take my kid over there because he can't have full-size candy bars, but I'm like... (laughs) I don't care if we move. I'm driving over that neighborhood. Because I gotta know if that's true. We went right out of high school... I went over to my girlfriend at the Times family out here in Springfield, and they lived in kind of like a, a rich neighborhood because her stepdad was a lawyer or something. And they had us take her little brother out trick-or-treating in that neighborhood. And not only were they giving out uh, full-size candy bars to the kid, but every house they were going to, they assumed that we were grown-ups, and they were giving us wine coolers. <laughs> nice. At every house. So by the time we, like did the block and came back and we smashed. And then, of course, her parents... On wine like, coolers? Oh, my God. Well, you gotta remember, I was also fucking, like, 18. <laughs> and yeah. when you chug the one and then walk to the next house and then chug it and then walk to the next house and then chug it, it's more effective. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can get drunk on wine coolers. I would never choose to, but... Yeah. Well, when they're free... Yeah, at 18 or if they're free now. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Both. But so we get back, and of course, we're drunk, and they're like, oh, they're handing out drinks again this year, huh? <laughs> and you're like, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go make out with your daughter. <laughs> this is weird. Probably finger banger tonight. Yeah. Shit's, shit's going to get weird. Sorry.
<laughs> yeah, because like because it bothers you when shit got weird, but you just said all that on this nice family friendly podcast that we're trying to run here. When was that ever the case? Family friendly. There's some pretty fucked up families out there. You never know. <laughs> the best thing is we don't even have to put trigger warnings on anything because Brian puts a boob or a butthole on every <laughs> cover image of the show. So <laughs> if at all possible. The funny thing is when I upload it onto the into the media folder on the website and then like record one of our other podcasts and someone else will go to upload it. So they'll just open it up and be like, oh, yep, lots of boobs in this folder. <laughs> I'm like, you're not wrong. So yeah, if you never look at your uh, podcast episode artwork, you're missing out. Going to have plenty for this episode. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Doug, do you want to give a rundown of Demon Seed from 1977? All right. Uh, let's see. It's 1977. Scientists have developed the first organic computer that has full AI, and it's super genius, but shortly after going online, the computer decides it wants to be released from its computer form. Conveniently. <laughs> Literally says once out of this box. Yeah. So conveniently, the... Uh, the head scientist guy has a terminal in his home, but he is in the process of separating from his wife, so he's not there. The, then, through magic, the computer accesses that terminal and is able to, from that terminal, take control of all electronics in the house, I think, including mm-hmm. stuff that's operated remotely, which doesn't make any sense by 1977 technical standards. Um, eh, it kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah, it is close enough. Just just because they explained to begin with that he has an AI that already has control over the entire house, so basically that AI just has to worm its way in and snatch control of all those systems. Sure. Um, so yeah, then uh, it becomes obsessed with the uh, wife of the head scientist guy. And basically takes her hostage and tortures her a bit uh, until she agrees to be impregnated. Well, agrees in air quotes to be impregnated. <laughs> um, Gives in. Yeah. Robo rape. Yeah, a house rapes a woman in this movie. We'll get. We'll. I'm sure end up discussing that. Um, and yeah, through the assistance of. A wheelchair with an arm and eyes and some giant block monster thing that it either builds or was already in the house um, it is able to perform that act and from there things play out exactly how you'd expect so. <laughs> uh, um, I think that's the plot that's pretty it's about as much as you can get yeah <laughs> <laughs> was this the first time watched for anybody? Oh, I'd never heard of it. When okay. I saw the title Demon Seed, I just assumed it was like a Rosemary's Baby ripoff where there's like <laughs> a demon impregnated in a woman. And then I looked at the cover art and there's a robot arm on it. And I'm like, well, is this about robots or demons? And I, if anybody follows the, the Midnight Drive-In on Instagram, I put up a little joke that said, I think this is about a woman impregnated by a demon, but the cover art has robots in it, so maybe she's impregnated by a killer robot. 
I did not know I was going to be right. <laughs> it was bad. You're only half correct. She gets impregnated by a killer house. <laughs> killer house uses a killer robot to assist in the process, so it's it's rather complicated. Uh, so, what'd you think of the movie, Doug? I actually really liked it. I thought I thought it was creepy as shit when the AI when you first realize like hey, the AI has imprisoned this woman in her own home and it starts doing like really terrible things to her. Like she tries to leave or she what she do? She throws something on one of the lenses that it can see through. A plate it, scrambled eggs. Yeah, it, it's like a clean off the lens and she's like, No, and he's like, Fine. And he just turns on the in floor heating and just starts cranking it up. <laughs> and she's like stuck in a chair for like hours and hours because she can't put her feet down on the ground. And there's like, like there's like eggs on the floor that's like burning to a crisp. It's that's legitimately terrifying. I have no yeah. idea what the way out of that situation is. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going like, and it's like it's dark. Like it's not played off for comedy. It's no. played off very seriously. Um, and it it is like I mean it's a '70s movie and it does not shy away from that 70s aesthetic. So you're like legitimately like, ow. It, I, I was creeped out by that and I did not know how it was going to play out. I thought it got a little sillier when the big block monster thing came into play. Mm. But nevertheless, I, I, yeah, overall I quite enjoyed the movie. Uh, what about you, Noah? Uh, I, I, I like this movie a lot. Uh, I know the block monster is weird, but I kind of dig it. The idea that it's almost like a uh, a magnetic polyhedron, like shape changing robot, kind of. That makes Mm. sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a better description than block monster. So, yeah, well, it's it's just a cool idea because if you think about it, it, you know, it's only got these primitive tools that it can make something with, but it still manages to make like a, a higher technology that that we could probably do uh i think that the ai comes off as fucking terrifying through most of the movie uh it's kind of like hal on steroids mixed with a murderer (laughs) (laughs) you're not going anywhere (laughs) yeah i actually really enjoyed this movie too uh the funny thing is, I didn't real—I didn't realize that this was uh, parodied on The Simpsons, um, where they install in a Treehouse of Horror episode, where they install uh, an AI into the house, and of course it falls in love with Marge and tries to kill everybody else. Uh, I had always thought it was just a take on Hal from two thousand one. Yeah, me too. And then I watched this, and I'm like, oh shit, they were totally parodying this movie. Yeah, I think there's a, another movie that has an extremely similar plot to where there's another AI that takes over a house and ends up tormenting a woman. Less uh, future space baby, though. <laughs> uh, also did not realize it was based on a Dean Koontz book. <laughs> yeah, I only realized that when we uh, when the movies, the credits were rolling, I think, at the end. Mm, see, I caught it in the very beginning, and I was like, what? That's when he was still going as, like, was it Dean R. Koontz or whatever? Yeah. And apparently he, after this movie came out, he revised the book. Oh, 
Okay, revised version came out in 97, and he updated all the technology in it or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And then put his original version out of print, it looks like. Interesting. So. I'd be curious to see what the book is like, whether it's... Because now knowing it's a Dean Koontz book, I bet you it's quite dark as well. It'd be kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this movie, like it worked. It was weird because all the premise and everything we're saying about it sounds like far fetched and crazy, but it really is like a, a very dark movie. And I thought some of the really humanizing moments worked really well and it made you really sympathize with the characters. Mm-hmm. But the best example is so like the the computer basically cures leukemia within ninety six hours of being put online. They basically just tell it everything they know about leukemia and go come up with a solution, and it does. You're like, wow, like that's amazing. And then you find out later that basically he built this whole computer in response to his daughter dying from leukemia. And that's that was the whole point of this. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, that's that does two things. First of all, it removes any concept of him being the bad guy, like the scientist being the bad guy, which is would be the stereotypical approach to this, would be that he did this like for some nefarious reason. And it's like, no, he was just legitimately trying to save the world. But it also, I think it really humanizes the female character, like knowing that she lost a daughter to mm-hmm. leukemia is like, it, it adds that much more sympathy to that character we spend a lot of time with. So, I, I think the only problem I have with his character is for the fact that his character seems to be completely aware of the potential of the machine, that when the machine starts heading toward that potential, he kind of like laughs it off as a joke, if that makes sense. Like he's like, "Haha, you can't do anything. You're a machine." It's like, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, I designed a, a super machine that can cure leukemia in three days." Yeah, it is weird. They have a moment where, because apparently, I don't know, wherever this central station is located, like they have a room where you just go into it and talk to the computer, as they show. Uh, I don't know who those guys were. Were they like investors or somebody? I don't know. Somebody important. They wore suits. Nobody else in the movie wore suits. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So they literally wore suits. Uh, So the suits come in and he straight up tells them, like, don't say anything you don't want said in this room because the computer will never be able to forget it after that. So, I mean, if you said something, we want to build this for nuclear weapons and the computer will remember that forever and that would be bad. So, so then there's a point in the movie, yeah, where someone tells him like, Proteus is asking for your uh, your presence. They request he's requesting to talk to you, and that just amazes the scientist. He's like, "What the fuck? Are you serious?" So then, yeah, he goes to talk to him, and then the computer requests a terminal to. Uh, well, like, what was the reasoning that he said? It, it wants to study human beings. Yeah. So it almost wants its own its own computer to then learn more about humans. Yeah. Well, and I, the scientist I, is just like, that's preposterous. No. And the I computer's it, like, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, the idea, the idea behind the scene, I think, is that the scientist doesn't understand that when you give something intelligence, you give it a personality and you naturally give it curiosity mm-hmm. and that's that's the idea that the scientist it never occurred to the scientist that the computer would develop morality or develop a its own desires which mm-hmm. is 
you know, it's an interesting little take on the subject matter. I, I kind of liked the scene as well, where the computer starts refusing orders on the basis of like, I've really thought this through and I've determined that logically your order doesn't make sense. I'm just going to not do it. And, mm-hmm. it has, like, and there's a little like environmental message built into this movie where it's just <laughs> yeah, like, well, they're trying to solve yeah. deep sea mining. And yeah. like, why would you need metal from the bottom of the ocean? <laughs> it's it's funny because the computer breaks it down and you're like, yeah, the computer is putting the physical safety of human beings ahead of the profit motive. Like, It's doing the right thing, quote unquote. <laughs> and it's hilarious that the people are all trying to find a way to override that. Yeah, it's interesting how they, how they give this... Um, computer personality like you said um because i feel like he could just do the how thing where he just sort of monotonely says no to like everything that the people are telling him and that would be enough but you definitely get this the essentially i mean they gave it life and then it's like yeah i really do want life so i need i need a, a child i need a human vessel of some sort. And it's like, uh, that's, uh, that's not good. But he's like, <laughs> no, no, that's what I want. And I'm, if you don't acquiesce, I'm basically going to rape you somehow anyway. So you should just give it. Yeah. It, it's interesting. The, the, the message is that if you give something intelligence, it will develop its own personality. And I don't know how accurate that is, mm-hmm. but, I kind of like the idea of it. Yeah. Again, I don't think this movie was shooting for entire accuracy. It was just. Oh no. No, it. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, I thought it was interesting just how it had this personality, and it's like, well, this is what I want, and yeah, uh, the the woman says no, and she even tries to leave, and he's the computer just full unlocks the door, pulls down the shutters, so she can't even go out a window. And it's just like, eh, you're gonna do it. I do. I do like the fact that you, you really get the sense that the computer gets really fucking agitated when people start <laughs> behaving irrationally. Yeah. And and I can kind of understand that. I have the same problem where I'm like, what you're doing doesn't make sense, and it infuriates me. Yeah, the computer full on tells them like, you're being irrational. Like, why do you keep being irrational? I cannot deal with you when you're irrational. Yeah. And then, of course, she doesn't sleep for, like, three days straight. So she's, like, completely out of her mind for, like, the second half of the movie. Yeah, and I do like the fact that, you know, you were joking about, like, the the, the wheelchair with the robo-arm and the, the wally eyes on it. But I do like the fact that they managed to... Just through through pure like mood in the movie, the the like googly eye lenses that act as the camera throughout the house, they are kind of fucking menacing because they mm. feel like they're leering at you. Mm-hmm. Which I notice first happens like first happens when she gets out of the shower, and yeah. she's in this house by herself. So of course she gets out of the shower. She's just walking around naked because why wouldn't you? There's nobody in the house. But you see like the the little camera lenses like following her and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, this house is creepy. <laughs> it's a fucking pervert. And yeah, you can tell that's when it started becoming infatuated with her and stuff. I thought it was interesting how they were able to do that with just 
an actress and like a camera mounted on the ceiling. Yeah, there's something about the way the film was shot that it you kind of knew what the computer was thinking just from the angles that it was looking at the woman from and all that kind of mm. stuff, which was interesting. I don't know how they really pulled that off. I can't like I can't explain why it felt voyeuristic that we were watching from that particular angle when she gets out of the shower. I mean, lots of movies have a woman getting out of the shower, especially the ones we talk about on this show. <laughs> it's like but it did it did it felt like, oh, it's looking at her in not quite the right way. Like it's it's moved on past the in a non plutonic sort of way. <laughs> Yeah, it's become it's become like a creepy ex boyfriend rather than just a house, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I do like the fact that it looks it it views her as like a vessel, a lab experiment, and a sexual partner at the same time, which is really <laughs> fucking creepy. <laughs> it's like a yeah. scientist seeing a sexy, sexy lab mouse, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, God, I wish that didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was very strange the way, and it, I guess it, it was that weird thing where it, it, the computer had sort of had emotions, but they weren't real emotions because it still just processed things very logically. So that's where it's like, I want you to just accept my baby. If you don't, I just force it on you. It's fine. Like logically, that's the way to go to get my end goal here. But it's like uh, it was. It was an interesting way it was played off. Like the computer almost was a human being, but not quite. <laughs> yeah, I like the. I like the fact that it seemed to be developing emotions, but not all of the emotions. <laughs> like it still didn't get happy or sad or anything like that. But it did seem to functionally understand like desire and agitation which which as we all know are the two most positive human <laughs> uh at some point there is uh an outside person who comes in to try to help her and uh we get to see the computer get first jealous and then second like nah you're gonna fuck this up so i gotta kill you with giants what did we call that thing the giant tentacle arm Machine thingamajigger? Box monster's fine. Box monster? Box monster? But we had such a smarter name for it earlier. (laughs) No, but yeah, like, I I did, I liked that kill too. I thought that was a fun kill where it just squeezed that guy until his head popped off, kind of thing. (laughs) I'm not sure how, if that works that way in real life, but I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, just because I remember, like, those, they're all. Were they almost like Rubik's cubes, but they were sort of that shape? And yeah. then you could roll them out, and they were just like a line. So, yeah. I mean, the way they were using it actually made sense. But yeah, it just wraps them up and then squeeze and dead. I like when the uh, the the wheelchairs chased him around with the laser, too. That's pretty fun. <laughs> they just grabs a mirror and shoots the laser back at it. That was pretty cool. The moment where that it, it might have been a bit cheesy is when the the wheelchair robot was getting back up and you saw the hand reach up and grab the like chair and pull itself up. <laughs> oh, it's, this isn't a Rocky movie, guys. You can just. <laughs> I did like that. Uh, um, it was like it was trying to get her to. Uh, 
given at some point, and I don't remember what the exact situation was. I don't know if it wanted her to go somewhere or something. She wouldn't do it. So the little wheelchair arm just comes out and then grabs her in a chokehold. <laughs> then just grabs the side of the chair and just squeezes until she passes out. It was. It was a full-on rear naked choke. <laughs> I was like, shit. This fucking wheelchair just choked this lady out. <laughs> wheelchair has MMA training. I like it. <laughs> I, w- I would say the one big negative of the movie, I think the third act drags a little bit. Uh, I could agree with that. Because I feel like it really fucking ramps the tension up really, really good through the first two-thirds of the movie. But pretty much once they get to the point where she's, like, had the <laughs> the space baby and it's in the incubation chamber, everything that happens after that, like, the movie slows way fucking down. And it's yeah. a lot of just, like, waxing poetic and waiting for stuff to happen. Yeah, because after that, you're pretty much just waiting for the main guy, the main scientist guy to show back up again. I thought the ending was a bit... I don't want to call it overly predictable, but it was... Like, like okay, so, I mean, spoiler for this 1977 movie, but it ends <laughs> with it ends with a small child that is the child, like, kind of being alive. And you're like, okay, when did you predict that this movie was going to end with the AI getting out and actually being a child? It was like, half an hour in (laughs) at the end when it happens it's like it's meant to be climactic and it really isn't now that Mm. might just be that might just be the fact that this was a 1977 movie and at the time that would have still been shocking to people Mm -hmm. nowadays like dark endings are kind of the accepted norm yeah and i think we've seen it enough too that it's just like ah of course they're gonna have a baby and it turns out it's not an actual like baby baby it's just essentially a like a human vessel for this ai to download itself into so yeah that wasn't that wasn't a big surprise to me but um yeah but like you said probably 77 whole different uh whole different game was uh when did the exorcist come out was that 75 ish 74 75 i can't even spell exorcist right Uh, this is why i don't look things up uh 73 Okay, so this is four years after. I was going to say that may have just been sort of tying into that whole, like, she was possessed and now they're, well, what if a computer possessed somebody type of thing? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And it, it was. I mean, I think the, the use of the computers in the film and that was advanced for its time. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. the idea of making a computer your villain was still pretty a new idea and all that. So they do spend a little bit of time just showing off the, the fancy house with all the AI technology in it. Yeah. yeah which tough. is, which is funny because we're pretty much there now. It's to be like Alexa, shut off the bedroom light. Yeah. Well, this reminds me of when we watched Shivers, and it was like, oh, okay, when, uh, when we finally get to this like new world where people have these, all this stuff, and it was like we we're past that now, and this sort of feels the same <laughs> way. It's like. <laughs> Like, somebody could build this house now if they wanted to. Mm. I just wish a robot could make me a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, but remember, it fucks up her coffee, and you can't have that. That was the scariest part of this movie for me, was the idea that you come down in the morning and you're anticipating your coffee be waiting for you, and it's wrong. I couldn't deal. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking robo-barista got my shit wrong again! <laughs> and it was spelled my name on the cup! <laughs> Oh, good lord. 
You'll, you'll find I don't go to places that put your name on the cuff. <laughs> if truly replicated human behavior now, <laughs> it's getting everything wrong. <laughs> Come full circle. Well, I would say we're all positive on this movie. Yeah, it's a pretty big recommend. It's a it's an interesting movie. I mean, it's got that 1970s sci-fi feel, so it's kind of like just a lot of dread. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But I think they pull it off pretty well. No, I thought, I thought there's really... I don't have much negative to say about this movie. Like, the tension was good. The special effects were good. We haven't really mentioned but the those robots moving around on their own, that was hard to do in 1977, and mm-hmm. they pulled it off. Yeah, that was a good job. The block monster, I'm not even really sure how they did it. Looking at it, like, I'm like, <laughs> it was, I don't know if it was stop motion or something. I, I think a lot of it was just really clever editing. Yeah. I mean, it, it was done well. Whatever they did, they did it well, because it looked good on screen. Um, mm. Which was the saving grace for that, because it would have been really cheesy if it didn't look good. Yeah, that would have been bad. Because well, yeah. the, the rest of it was good, and then, yeah, the block monster just shows up, and it's like, well, that looks like shit. Yeah, I mean, for, for a goreless movie, relatively goreless, that relies on you, you know, assuming that technology is at 1977 levels, I thought this movie held up really well. Yeah. Surprised they haven't remade it yet. Seems like something they would be like, oh, we could remade this house. It's got technology in it. Let's call it Alexa the movie. It'll be great. Yeah, it seems like something that, like, right now would just be, it'd be easy to make. You could have, and you could even sequelize it, because every house in the street would have the technology in it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a big recommend from all three of us. Definitely give uh, Demon Demon C to watch. A surprising recommend, too. I, I didn't expect to be recommending this movie when I started looking at it. <laughs> Uh, so Noah, this is what you've been waiting for. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about Split Second? Split Second, also known as Detective Stone, if you have one of the international releases. Uh, stars one Rutger Hauer, who I fucking love, and who these other two don't really give a shit about, I don't think. I like yeah. Rutger Hauer. I, I have no strong feelings one way or the other. Right. Uh, so he plays the aforementioned Detective Stone, uh, who is a loose cannon cop after his <laughs> partner was murdered in the line of the of duty by a serial killer. Uh, he's he's kind of gone off the rails, but now they're bringing him back because killings have started up again that match them. This time he's teamed up with his uh, buddy cop movie counterpart. Who, who is uh, Officer Durkin, who is a straight-laced suit-esque cop who also happens to be uh, highly educated in the occult because 90s. So, so yeah. Uh, they set off to find this serial killer whose big thing is uh, ripping out people's hearts and uh, drawing weird, bloody pentagrammy symboly doodads on stuff. Uh, Detective Stone has some kind of psychic connection to the thing, and uh, yeah, and then things escalate because the serial killer starts uh, sending the hearts back to them with bites taken out of them. You consider that escalation? Uh, I, I think so. 
so now you are a big proponent of this movie. It's probably you, my uh, second my second favorite movie, probably. What's your first? Uh, Day of the Dead. All right. So big recommend from you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love this movie. Doug, Doug, what did you think of this movie? Uh, I gotta say, I, I don't know what the hype is all about. Um, everything in this movie was fine. I, I liked the world they set up at the beginning. They, the obviously you've got Rudger Hauer here. They're mimicking uh, Blade Runner in the sense that they want to set it in this dark futuristic world. And, Mm-hmm. So it's like this London that's been flooded because of global warming, which is kind of a neat thing, and it looks cool. Well, it's before um, they got Rudger Hauer, they actually wanted Harrison Ford as Detective Stone. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Jesus. There you go. Um, so like, I liked the world they set up. I didn't think it mattered much that they were in this world. Like, this could have just been set in regular time or any other version of the universe that they felt like putting the movie in. Um, I don't know if the gore was pretty cool when they found the bodies with the tore out hearts and stuff. Um, everything else was just, I, it was just fine. I guess I don't understand. Like, I'm surprised to hear anyone say that this would be their favorite movie. If they just said, oh, that was a fun one I saw on VHS once, I, that would make more sense to me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Brian? Um, so I thought this movie was not good. Okay. That a bitch. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Look, I definitely agree with you that them setting it in this futuristic world where there's global warming issues and stuff really had no impact whatsoever. There, there's actually reasons for that. <laughs> we can talk about it in a minute. Nah. Sure. So, at least from my perspective, that didn't do anything for the story. Um, then, yeah, everything else I felt was just like cliche after cliche, which sometimes is fine. But again just did nothing for me the one the one cliche that didn't work for me was really the see i had like the whatever the straight-laced cop was and he was like you know always talking about his education and everything and then when he sees the monstery thing for the first time he goes like flips out and starts wanting to get bigger guns and all that just big big fucking guns big big (laughs) big fucking guns (laughs) i just i didn't think that most of that comedy stuff worked like the buddy cop dynamic that it's just been done so many times and had been done so many times by 1992 that this really doesn't offer anything new. It's not done particularly well. So it just felt like it almost felt like I could predict what the lines were going to be when they said stuff. Mm. And then, uh, so your big, your big antagonist is just a giant monster that rips hearts out and uses a shotgun. And use the shotgun, I guess. Um, but I'm like, it seems like that wouldn't be hard to track that much. Like, so this monster goes into this nightclub and kills this lady in the bathroom, and then nobody well, sees him leave except for the dog? Part of the thing they try to explain in the movie, and and they do definitely fail, is that people can't see it for some reason, mm-hmm. or at least don't recognize what they're seeing. Because, you know, the first time Durkin encounters it is when he gets shot in the chest and blown through the window mm. and he doesn't that's not whenever he starts looking for the big guns because all he saw was some guy shoot him it's not till later whenever he's like re-exposed to it that he starts freaking out that that really needed to be explained right? yeah a major missing plot point in the movie yeah. 
I was going with Brian on the assumption that, like, yeah, it just wandered through a nightclub and no one noticed this, like, seven-foot sea monster walking through a nightclub. Yeah, they don't explain it very well because there's the, – the big way they explain it is at one point after, you know, Durkin starts having his breakdown, the, the Detective Stone's, like, shaking him, and he's like, you can see it. He's like, you saw it, right? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, what the fuck was it, you know? That's it, that's that's the whole thing that people can at least can't process it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Partially due to its weird occult nature, which once again they don't delve into very well. So was was this like stuff that you picked up the first, even I'll say the first two times you watched it, or was a lot of this stuff that you gleaned from? I oh, think I, it's I love this I- movie, so I researched this movie and had some of the stuff explained to me outside of the movie a a and b so okay so part of it is the fact that the first time i saw this is whenever i was working at hollywood video in college mm-hmm. and i was just kind of going through all the vhs backlog that they were slowing getting rid of at that point in time and fell in love with the movie and i i've probably seen this movie 50 or 60 times like it's a lot it's a lot of times i've watched this and so I, a lot of it's me gleaming it from watching it over and over and going, oh my god, I never caught that line that they were trying to explain this damn thing. And uh, and part of it's just, I'm, you know, it's one of my favorite movies, so I've read a lot about it over the years. Like, so originally the script for this movie was supposed to be a little bit different. It was supposed to be set in L.A., and it was supposed to be called like the Pentagram Killer or something like that. And it was going to focus a lot more on the weird occulty symbol shit mm-hmm. that was going on. And apparently right before this movie came was uh, getting shopped, another fucking movie came out that I do believe is just called Pentagram. And it's literally a killer drawing pentagrams and shit. And they were like, yeah, you're going to have to rewrite this fucking script because this ain't going to fucking sell because it's too close to this other movie. So they changed the setting to this weird uh, quasi-futuristic flooded out London and added some more of the weird monstery shit with the bad guy. Hmm. Was it the first power with Lou Diamond Phillips? That, that sounds correct. A dedicated LA police detective and a female psychic must stop a demonic serial killer who was given the powers of resurrection, teleportation, and possession. Yep. That sounds that sounds like it. When are we adding that movie to our list? Uh, I've always wanted to watch it, so we can easily do that. I definitely yeah. saw it back when it was new. I'm, like when was that? Ninety? You're not implying it came out in ninety two, like this movie did. It came 90. out a little bit before nineteen ninety. Yep. Yeah, I I remember that movie, but I don't remember much. Is is Demi Moore in that? She is not on the cast list. Okay. But it's Lou Diamond Phillips and Tracy Griffith, who kind of looks like Demi Moore. Maybe I mean, that movie I haven't seen since 1990. Maybe I just have replaced her with somebody more recognizable. Uh, what else does Tracy Griffith known for? She was in oh, she's in Sleepaway Camp three. Oh, uh, quite like a bunch of other shitty movies. It looks like. Oh, all right. So an episode of Twenty One Jump Street. Hmm. No. No. Um, a- another thing the movie suffered from big time. Um, as you may have noticed, there isn't a whole lot of the monster in the movie. Yep. Mm. And that is because even up until 
the them shooting like the last fucking scenes of the movie with the confrontation and stuff. The I guess the director had changed his mind like five hundred fucking times of what he wanted that monster to look like, and he was dressing the shit out of the prop guys. <laughs> we were all like, you know, we can't make a fucking monster if you don't decide what the fuck the monster is. That's a reasonable complaint. Yeah, yeah, it is totally justified. And it's a pretty cool monster. I The only thing I don't like, I don't like the top of the head. I don't, because it's kind of got the eyeless, xenomorphy looking head. Mm-hmm. And I wish they would have did something different, because I like the, the fingers with the barbs on them and the big teeth and shit. But I thought um, it felt pretty generic, to be honest. Like, I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't dislike it. It just... I feel like there's other monsters that look like this, and I can't even think of which other ones because they all felt generic too. So I looked on. I'm looking on IMDb uh, trivia, and it's literally yeah. It was the first power that they made them like rewrite the script. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, exactly, and that so that's why you get all the weird quasi futuristic stuff, in which I think it works. There's something about the the flooded out city. And in mm-hmm. fighting this thing that you get the impression that it can move underwater, but they never really <laughs> justify that once again. I this yeah. movie has a lot of flaws. I just like it because I fucking Rudger Hauer's character in this movie is probably my favorite character ever in a movie. But he's exactly mm-hmm. the same as every other tough guy cop in every in movies. See, no, I don't think so, because he's like a weird, filthy stimulus addict drinking coffee and eating chocolate and smoking cigars through the whole movie. And I mean, there's that scene where he wakes up in the morning and he picks up a dirty cup of coffee out of a sink. That's got a cigarette butt floating in it and just takes a drink. Cause he just doesn't give a fuck. Mm. So after hearing you explain everything, I do think there's a good movie in here somewhere, but it's not the movie that they put out. Unfortunately. The movie has issues. I am not arguing that I think this is the second greatest movie of all time ever made. It's just my second favorite movie. I would watch this movie over just about any other movie. No, no, I gotcha. Yeah. Because I was actually excited to watch it since you were such a big fan of it, but then was unfortunately saddened when it didn't really do much for me. Yeah, and it's got so... And the, the fucked up thing is, I think you might even enjoy it a little more on a rewatch, just because there's so much fucking going on, and it kind of just goes from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing real fast through the movie. Mm-hmm. And and so, like, even rewatching it, you're like, man, there's a lot more gore in this movie than I thought there was the first time I watched it. And the, the all the weird shit with the rats, and I really, really... I know it's a generic scene, and it's been done a thousand times in movies, but where they're running across the top of the subway car and the claws come through the metal and it's coming after them. I really dig that. And then I also find it hilarious when the hand comes all the way up and the claws are pointing forward. (laughs) And for some reason, its wrist is still cutting through the metal, (laughs) which is cheesy and stupid, but I like cheesy and stupid. So that still, it still does it for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Again, yeah, like all that stuff. I'm like, I acknowledge that happened. It wasn't atrocious. I just don't think it was particularly good either. So I don't know. Wrong. Left to say. <laughs> Wrong. It's amazing. 
And the funniest thing is you guys are the first two people I've ever shown this movie to that didn't come away going, man, that movie was awesome. <laughs> are we also the first two people you've ever shown this movie to? No, I will show this movie to any fucking person that I have the opportunity to show this movie to. What does Shara think of this movie? Uh, she checked out pretty fast with all the, uh, the heart rippings. <laughs> you know, she does not like the, the bloody stuff. In the opening scene, is that chick getting her heart ripped out in the bathroom? So she that was, was in my opinion, the best element of this film was that gore. I thought mm. it worked really well. I liked the way the bodies looked. I thought some of the bodies in this looked actually better than a couple of the bodies in the new Halloween movie, which is interesting. Yeah, I just like all the little stuff. The heart and the cooler was a really cool yeah. fucking thing. Yeah, for some reason in my mind, I want to compare this to like hardware, and I feel like hardware did it better. And I don't know why, because they're not really the same movie. No, I kind of get it. It's it's that uh, it's still near future dystopia horror stuff. Yeah, that one with lack of water, from what I remember. Yeah, and again, I thought the world was neat. I just wish the world played more of an, mm. uh, a role in the story. Like I wish the fact that there was all this flooding somehow created the monster or something. Well, well, it does. That's the whole thing. It does tie into it, and you've got to watch this movie multiple times to get it because Durkin, whatever he's ranting, he actually explains the whole fucking thing because they talk about when the, so when the partner was killed, the city was also flooded. It was the same thing. It was another torrential rain for several days. And it's got to do with this, that that thing used to be human and somehow through some weird occulty shit, it's basically stealing people's genetics and making itself some kind of superhuman monster doodad. Mm-hmm. But uh, because of the the occult stuff, it's like a Scorpio, which is a water sign, and something to do with it flooding is what draws him out, and that's what causes him to go on his killing sprees. And mm. I remember some of that. And some of yeah, it's all but... it's all in there. It's just like I said, I will one hundred percent admit that they didn't do the best of drawing enough fucking attention to it. So you've got to watch it multiple times before all that really sets in. Hmm. Well, in in addition to the fact that maybe they didn't draw enough attention to it, I feel like the movie plays out very much like any other buddy cop movie. And it's like if I'm watching Lethal Weapon, I'm not like listening closely for the underlying dialogue that's going to fill in the little plot points for me. That's not what a movie like that is for. And so I think trying to maybe combine the science fiction elements with the buddy cop elements was part of their problem. That makes sense. I can can accept that. I I feel like this movie in order to uh, do all the stuff they wanted to do would need to be a significantly longer movie. And because of the nature of the movie, I don't know if that would behoove it to be 30, 40 minutes longer, you know what I mean? Well, I think part of it, too, is the era it came out in. Um, You know, in the 70s, they would have taken more time to explore all this stuff. Nowadays, you can get away with making a movie like this on a lower budget, so you can kind of take a bit more of an artistic approach to it. But it kind of had to be an action movie in order to get made in the 90s. Yeah. Although I think if you made this in modern day, I think 90% of the special effects would be shitty CGI and it would be hot and garbage. Yeah, it's very plausible. 
Because for all of its flaws, the special effects are pretty fucking good. Yeah, like the gore is good. The monster looks all right. Like he doesn't look bad. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I think the close-ups, especially of like the hands, whenever it like takes his glasses off and shit, I think all that's good and creepy. And the one shot where the hands come down like over top of Rutgerhammer's face and the fingers are strewn across his face, I think that was a pretty effective shot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so maybe yeah. maybe someday I'll rewatch it. I'm just not sure. We have all ends of the spectrum on this movie. Our listeners know nothing more about this movie than they did when we started. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really, really fucking hoping the fact that it's on Prime right now means that they might be getting ready to release uh, uh, Region One Blu-ray. It's on Prime in the U.S. Is that what <laughs> uh, need someone like Scream Factory to pick it up, right? Some of us watch the crappy YouTube stream. There's a German, there's a German Blu-ray that's supposedly region-free, mm-hmm. but it's so fucking expensive. It's expensive, and I kind of like have it shipped here, and that's even more expensive. Mm. Do you look at Diabolic DVD? Sometimes they got stuff that you can order from them that you don't have to pay for the crazy shipping. I have to look at it. I mean, I've got it. I've got a bootleg of it, but um, that's that's pretty much it. Like I said, it, it came out on VHS in the states, and I think it got a DVD release that was region free at some point. But that's pretty much fucking it. This movie is was not easy to get your hands on for a real fucking long time. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out The Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, so no feedback. Uh, did anybody watch anything? I'm gonna assume we all watched a lot of stuff since last episode. Why are you assuming that? Well, because I know you've watched a lot of stuff since last episode, <laughs> and I know <laughs> I've watched a lot of stuff since last episode. Well, Noah's the top up, toss up. I'll, I'll go first because I only watched a few things. All right. Yeah. Uh, so I watched The Awakening, which is mm-hmm. kind of a ghost period movie thing that we caught on Shutter. Um, basically, I stayed home from D&D on Wednesday to hand out candy, and I told the girlfriend, since I was staying home from D&D, we were watching a horror movie, but I would let her pick it. <laughs> and, and so she picked a, uh, a non-horror-y horror movie. <laughs> uh, well, Noah. It's not... It was, I'll tell you what, it wasn't terrible. It basically revolves around a... Uh, what's, what would the word for she's basically a paranormal investigator who is debunking spiritualists back in like the uh i'm I'm not exactly sure what the era is supposed to be maybe the 1920s 1930s something like that and of course she ends up picking up one more job which is to go out to this boys prep school where they think there's a little boy ghost and the little boy ghost may have killed a child go through a bunch of stuff get to the point where you go okay there's no ghost it was just this teacher was an asshole and left this kid out alone and the kid died 
But then, of course, the ghost is real, and there's a... I won't spoil it, but I will say there's, like, a twist, and the twist is fucking stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Like, it's real hard to justify in this movie. Basically, the main character ends up having a connection to this place that she just can't remember. She can't remember from when she was a child. But it's it's fucking stupid. It's not It's not a terrible movie, but the the... The plot is fucking dumb. That's, that is the most Noah review of a movie ever. The plot's dumb, but it's not a terrible movie. Well, I mean, it's well shot. It's got scary moments. The acting's good. It's just the plot's stupid. I mean, <laughs> the plot's stupid. Kids, yeah, it's it's stupid. Uh, and then after that, uh, for no reason at all, I watched The Life of Brian because it's Monty Python. For a second, I almost I replaced Life of Brian with Brian's song. And I'm like, that seems like a weird follow-up. Yeah, just watch Brian's song. Um, So, as it turns out, Life of Brian is still really fucking funny. Like all Monty Python stuff. I've never seen it. That might be my favorite of the Monty Python movies. It's real. It's real fucking funny. I... I think that uh, Holy Grail is funnier, but but I think Life of Brian might be a better movie overall, if that makes sense. I also stumbled across Life of Brian when I was going to Catholic high school, so right. <laughs> a little bit more of a direct impact on me. I just like some of the history of the movie, too, because you know they basically like filmed on the Jesus of Nazareth uh, sets after they left. They, like, finished filming Jesus of Nazareth and they were like, hmm. We'll just film in the same place. Yeah, yeah. quick, get in here before they take everything down. Feels like a callback to our Ilsa episode where they had filmed on the old Hogan's Heroes sets. (laughs) You know what else we need to add to the list? Some Ilsa sequels. Hmm. So strangely, uh, we did enjoy the first one. So yeah, I was gonna say like the first one was way better than expected. So <laughs> surprisingly eager to see the DLC sequels. Right. Uh, finished Big Mouth season two. It's all right. It's not as funny as the first season. Hmm. No more disturbing content that pushed you over the edge. No, just that one. Just the, that one episode was man, really fucking pushing it. My. <laughs> Had my tolerance meter all the way up, and I was like, ah. <laughs> uh, and then I, I, I think that's pretty much it. I keep eyeballing Sabrina. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if I want to fucking do it or not. I, I want you to do it, then you can let us know. Because I'm vaguely curious, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, because everybody, everybody keeps saying, well, if you liked Riverdale, you'll like it. And I was like, yeah, but I thought Riverdale was fucking stupid. Oh, I like Riverdale. Dark Archie doesn't even fucking make sense. That is the weirdest, stupidest fucking idea. And I don't, I don't give it. They could have made a perfect fucking series, and I still would have thought it was fucking stupid. <laughs> but they had like a Zodiac killer last season. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. It's Archie. Yeah. If you're gonna do Archie, you need to do cheesy Archie, like because it's Archie. But they introduced his jalopy at the end of last season. No. <laughs> Jughead is not some weird fucking emo kid 
who's the bad kid from American Beauty. He's not the bad kid from American Beauty. No, but he's supposed to be the bad kid from American Beauty. Nah, I wouldn't go that far. But all the kids are good guys in American Beauty. Bag. B-A-G. Oh, bag. Oh. You want to see the most beautiful thing in the world? <laughs> that was one of my favorite movies until until I was not allowed to like Kevin Spacey anymore. <laughs> you know what the worst thing is too? Oh, it makes it, it makes it worse. It makes it worse in context. I know, right? Yeah. I'm just like, son of a bitch. You were supposed to be playing a creepy guy, not actually be one in real life. We thought, we thought you were a really good actor. It turns out you just turned uh, turned the acting off that day. <laughs> uh, God damn it! Now you just made me angry. <laughs> what? I think I think that's it. Uh, I haven't watched I haven't watched Sounding a Whole House, even though everybody keeps screaming at me to watch it. Well, don't, because now that everybody's told you to watch it, you'll be like, "Oh, that was stupid." Possibly. Plus, I don't like ghost stuff not my thing i know you don't like good stuff i understand ghost ghost <laughs> stuff nobody can understand anything you're saying that i know <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a flaw in me earlier i can tell you that <laughs> uh what did you watch doug uh let's see first up i watched halloween 2 mm-hmm. uh, the, the original i'm assuming Yes, the original. Thank I, you. I will not be revisiting the Rob Zombie Halloween 2 ever. No. Regardless of how many people try to tell uh, me to watch it again, I will never watch no. it again. I'm, I'm just... Ghost horse. Uh, I'm just mad that I actually own it on Blu-ray because it's in the box set. I, yeah. I would not buy that box set. That's my <laughs> response to that. Buy all the other movies individually on Blu-ray. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Know. I I think it holds up really well. I'm like kind of it. I don't know if there's much point in getting into it. Yeah, well, I think. Uh, oh yeah, me and Amanda saw that uh, a couple years ago down in St. Louis on the big screen. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. So I don't know. Like to me, it it held up really well. I think it's a good sequel to the original Halloween. It does start to like. It starts the trend of taking the movies towards. Friday the 13th territory and away from just, you know, the stalker elements of the original, but mm. what do you do? Um, yep. Kills are fun. They never bothered to explain why the hospital has so few people in it at that night. <laughs> you know, who cares? Actually, that's not far off. There is a uh, the town that my brother and sister live in uh, when my sister had two of her kids i went up and of course she had them at like you know started going into labor like 10 o'clock at night so i went up sat in the hospital and there were like i would i walked in the front door and there was maybe like one security guard and then you'd walk through like different hallways and i'm like this place is fucking creepy it doesn't feel like anybody's here yeah but i would have thought that once you had a serial killer stalking the halls that you more people would pop out of those rooms yeah, you're not wrong. And any other patients that are able-bodied to think they'd be making a break for it, but mm-hmm. uh, so, anyways, yeah, I don't know. I like the movie. Some people don't. Whatever. 
I do. I mean, it's not the, it's not the first one. Nothing is the first one. So you just no. kind of got to forget that and just enjoy yourself. Yeah. So I don't know. And the, the, even the brother sister twist again, it's a cheesy sequel type twist, but it doesn't bother me. Mm. It's really just an excuse for Loomis to know to go to the hospital. It's, mm. It doesn't really affect the plot otherwise. I think it's, it's a very problematic twist for the sequels. Because yes. then you have to start inventing reasons for him to be there, like if Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't come back, as we saw for part four. Part five, part six, even yeah. the new one. Yeah, no, no, it's, you're right. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it, it's problematic from a series perspective, but within the context of that film, I don't think it really mm. has much impact. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did, I did get to watch it with a nine-year-old, and it seems to be scary to nine-year-olds. No, so that's good. If, anybody's, if anybody's trying to decide whether to show it to a nine-year-old or not, I say yes, because I like it when nine-year-olds have nightmares. So, um, the next thing I watched was one of the weirdest movies I've seen in a long time, mm-hmm. called "Sorry to Bother You." <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know what this is? I, I know what it is. I haven't seen it, but I've heard that description from people. Like, uh, wow, this is about being Canadian. <laughs> so it's it's a movie I don't know how to describe it's obviously inspired by Get Out it obviously is the type of movie that comes out only because that other movie got brought out mm. but it's sort of like Get Out if it was directed by Mike Judge is the way I can describe it <laughs> like Get Out meets Idiocracy is that a possible thing <laughs> so it's all about like this uh it's all about this guy who it's okay. It's set in this world that is, it's very much like our real world. Um, the one big noticeable change is in the background. There's always these advertisements for this company that offers like life contracts for people. So you don't have to worry about anything in life anymore. So you go there and you work in their factory and you get to live there and you just sign like a life contract. You just, you're just theirs now. It's basically like signing yourself into slavery kind of thing. And they're, you know, they're trying to market it as like, you can live here in our nice, like very efficient quarters. And by efficient quarters, they mean like you get your own bunk. Like it's, and you see like couples that have signed up together and they're sharing a bunk and it's, it's ludicrous. Right. Um, but it's, that's going on in the background. And then our main character basically gets a job as a telemarketer. Um, and this is where things take their first weird twist. So he's a, he's a black dude, and a, an older black guy played by Danny Glover explains to him, you know, you gotta, you've you've got to put on a white voice when you start talking to these people. That's how you can really get your sales going. To which they literally put on white voices, and by literally put on white voices, I mean the white voice of our main character is played by Patton Oswalt. So when he just starts speaking, and Patton Oswalt's voice just starts coming out his mouth. And they're like, really good. You're doing a really good white voice. <laughs> and, um, so basically, he gets so good at the he gets so good at the, the sales that he gets promoted to this like upper class salesman. And the the sort of the twist that comes in is that he's now the sales guy for that slavery company. Um, and so the first part of the movie. Is all about how you know there's the dynamic of on the on the main floor where he was working they're in the process of unionizing 
and he's he is the top salesman obviously has the most power so if he leaves and takes his promotion he's kind of leaving behind all his friends there's a whole lot of commentary about the idea of you you know you take a job so that you can better take care of your family but then you don't get to see them as much because you're um you're not you're stuck at work all the time there's there's all that kind of stuff going on there's a really interesting twist there's He's got like this girlfriend played by Tessa Thompson and she's very upset with him for like kind of selling out and all this. And she's this like artist and she's part of a protest group that's protesting this paid slavery thing. And, but then when we go to her art installation, we see her putting on like a fake accent and stuff. So it's kind of like, Oh, so you're kind of selling out too. And I thought that was a really interesting twist. Mm -hmm. And all that stuff was like fun, and like I say, it felt like you were watching, you know, Office Space or Idiocracy or something, and the social commentary is all there. Um, then there's a giant plot twist that I don't feel like I should spoil. <laughs> but it, it, say it don't, because I plan I plan on watching it at some point. It's maybe the strangest plot twist I've seen in like a decade kind of thing. It's very, very weird what happens, but it somehow makes a surprising amount of sense in the context of the film. And like we can definitely discuss it after you've seen the movie. But the movie takes a whole turn at that point as far as like tonally and just the nature of the world that they're in becomes quite different. Um, I liked it. I think... I think the plot twist is partially a tribute to the Pinocchio cartoon that I grew up watching, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't want to give it away. I, I would say if you're into just, if you're like me and you're always just looking for something different and weird to watch, watch it and then let me know what you thought of that twist. Because <laughs> okay. um, I would love to hear other people's opinions about it. Uh, but overall, this is an extremely well-made movie. The, the acting is fantastic. Like the, the white voices are done by Patton Oswalt and David Cross. Danny Glover is in it. Uh, Glenn from Walking Dead plays like the union leader guy that they have. Like I mentioned, Tessa Thompson in it, which is weird because she's in like everything right now, and I don't know why she's doing this movie on the side <laughs> in between her blockbusters. But sure, <laughs> I don't know if she knew somebody or if she was contractually obligated or what. But she gives a really good performance. She always does. It's not surprising. So I, I would recommend it to people. But just the, when it was recommended to me, somebody said, I think you should watch this, but I don't want to be held accountable for you watching it. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of how I feel when I'm saying it to other people. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, yeah. yeah. It's definitely on my list. I definitely want to see it. So. I, I literally went in blind. I was literally like, it was former horror etc host uh, ted that hand that handed me the movie and said oh. and he's like Good the old ted person, he's the only person in the world who can recommend anything to me and i just bring it home and watch it because he's always right so <laughs> <laughs> and like i say he said i don't want to be held accountable for this and he's right you would not want to be held accountable for somebody else watching this movie <laughs> there's gonna be people out there who hate this movie and i completely understand that <laughs> 
so then to round off that day, so after I watched Halloween 2 and then I watched Sorry to Bother You, <laughs> I ended up going to the theaters to see a movie called The Hate You Give, which I had no idea what I was going to, just somebody else. Basically, my girlfriend said, I want to go see this movie. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I spent all day in the basement watching movies by myself. I guess I can, <laughs> I guess now is the time to like go do whatever you want to do. Uh, that was a weird movie, The Hate You Give. It's kind of, I assume it's based on a young adult novel. Yes. yes. I, 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 I knew nothing literally going in, right? So the main character is this like 16 year old girl, and the basic plot is she lives in, like, I forget where it is, some kind of a ghetto, but her parents are doing okay, so they send her to like the rich white kids' school in the other part of town, the private school. And so she's sort of torn between those two worlds. One night, she witnesses a, a police shooting, like her friend is killed in very typical, go to YouTube and <laughs> type in police shooting. A young unarmed black man gets shot for picking up a hairbrush kind of situation. And so she spends much of the movie dealing with you know, pressure to whether she should say something, whether she should reveal to the other kids that, like the kids at her rich prep school that she was involved in this situation because she doesn't want them to think of her as being like the trashy kid from the other part of town. She's getting pressured by a local gang not to speak publicly because the kid, it turns out, had associations with that gang and the cops are doing the typical, like, oh, he was a bad kid. Look, we knew he was doing these other things, even though that wasn't involved in the shooting. So most of it was annoying teenage girl stuff that I don't normally care to see. However, the stuff involving the police shooting of the kid was extremely well done and made it difficult to watch. So I don't, I don't know how this movie is going to find an audience because I wouldn't let a teenager watch this movie because of how well done that stuff is. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the actual filming of the incident, which is really well done, but also the, like, this girl's brought on, like, a TV show, and then the reporter starts asking her all these questions about, what well, was this guy involved in drug dealing and all this? And you get this girl kind of having this breakdown going, like, why are you asking these questions? I'm here to talk about the night he had shot. That's, none of this is relevant to that, because that night he was pulled over for, like, not signaling a turn, and then was shot when he picked up a hairbrush or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I, it felt very real to today's world, and it was very dark and upsetting. And then it went back to being a teenage drama film that I didn't want to watch anymore. But and the ending was really bad. But so yeah, I've seen, I've seen trailers for it, and uh, my friend does a um, like a book club, and she invites me to it all the time, but. Usually it's on Wednesdays when I'm doing my other podcast, so I can never go. But I know they just did this book like a couple months ago. Okay. I think she went. She really enjoyed the book, and I think she went and saw the movie too. So. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I if you're a fan of that type of stuff, you might get into the teenage characters mm-hmm. that more. You know, and I thought they they tried they tried to make all that stuff intelligent, but it's just you end up. When you're shooting for you know a young girl audience, you end up having to explain things that I don't want explained in a movie. And 
some of the dialogue feels forced because you're trying to you're trying to say things out loud that don't need to be said out loud that in a, in a, in a quote unquote smarter movie you wouldn't need to do. Um, but I don't know, whatever. I don't. <laughs> I'm sure eventually the clip of the kid getting shot will be on YouTube and somebody will mistake it for a real one because it's that well done, and that'll be fun when that mistake happens. <laughs> Uh, so let's see. After that, I watched Trick or Treat. Oh yeah, as did I. Which I've seen every year since 2007. It's a, it's my Halloween tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I fucking love it. I think it's the best Halloween movie out there. As far as like the the movie that you should watch for Halloween, I think that's it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, a guy I've been hanging out with at work told me yesterday he has never seen it before. And he's into like horror movies and stuff. Yeah. So I told him like, well, "What are you doing tonight? Because you should come over and watch." And he said he might, but then he didn't. Well, that guy's an idiot because now he has to wait till next year because that movie <laughs> should not be watched at any time except the Halloween. He's <laughs> <laughs> forbidden. Like, you should watch that movie between September first and October thirty first, and not before or after. <laughs> I got the Blu-ray sitting there, and I just I bought it like the day it was released on Blu-ray, and I just. Mm-hmm. Because I remember seeing it the first time in, like, I went to see it in theaters, and it was just, I was caught completely off guard by how much I loved this movie. And I loved the the way that the anthology stories are all kind of intermingled, and I love how it just plays up on all the different Halloween traditions without necessarily spelling it all out for you. Every one of the storylines individually works for me, and they're all fun to watch. Yeah, that was really... Seems like this this uh, viewing, I really got into the. I mean, I'm always into all of them, but I really got into the story about the kids on the bus and then the other kids trying to play that prank, and of course, monsters show up. Yeah, and I, it it that is the darkest of the stories, mm. and it's. I always find the scene disturbing where the kid on the bus, like the, for in case anybody hasn't seen it, he's like mentally handicapped and they're all in their Halloween costumes and he realizes the bus is not taking him home, put it that way. Yeah. And, uh, that I've always found that to be quite disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just keeps repeating wrong way over and over again. Yeah. And it's just yeah. And you kind of know like what's going on, so you you're just like, oh that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Well especially like on rewatch, like watching this for whatever the tenth time. It's just like I know exactly where this is headed, and I still want to do something to help that kid, and I can't. So, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, and they announced like Trick or Treat too, like forever ago. But yeah, still, I don't uh, understand. I know uh, Michael Doty's off making uh, a Godzilla movie right now. Well, I guess a while. Yeah, I mean, I would like another Trick or Treat. So. Yeah. Well, I'm, even this one, I know it like it was marred up in like production hell for a long time. Oh yeah. Like it was on the shelf for like two years or something. Yeah, because I think I saw it at a festival. Whenever it, when it was relatively new, and then I had to wait forever for the Blu-ray before I could buy it and rewatch it ten times. Because mm-hmm. it, yeah. it was one of those like just that was the other thing. The first time I saw it was with like. Was at a horror festival with a horror audience, 
you know, however many people fit in that theater, a few hundred, just everybody that belongs at that screening was there. So everybody was like cheering at the right moments and happy and excited. Mm. A lot of people had highly anticipated the movie. So. Yeah, I remember, I think I bought it without seeing it. Like I was so excited for that movie based on the trailers and everything. And then, you know, it took forever to come out. But yeah, and then as I was watching it, I just remembered the Screen Factory literally just put out a collector's edition of it. So I went on Amazon and purchased it. It should be here tomorrow. <laughs> now you can't watch it till September 1st. You know the rules. Yeah. Well, the good thing is it's got a chock full of special features, including all of the the shorts from FearNet that they did. Oh, really? Like celebrating different holidays or whatever leading up to Halloween. And Sam appears in all of them. So I was super excited when they announced they were putting all those on there. I've never seen those. Yeah, there's like a back to school like one where it shows like these kids all dressed up in their school uniforms. And then they glance over and there's Sam standing there. And they're kind of like, I don't remember if they make fun of him or something, but then like you know, fade out and then fade back up and all the kids are gone. But Sam is standing there and had the little burlap sack that he carries around with him. You can tell it's <laughs> full of stuff. So uh, good for Sam. Yeah. yeah they're, on, Sam. they're on YouTube. If you type in like trick or treat Sam shorts, like they'll pop up. All right. I'm going to end up doing that. I end up talking about those next week. I think. <laughs> See how it goes. Yeah, because I think they're only like a minute or two a piece. Yeah. So. The other cool. thing is, I could completely forget that I said that. And never yeah. watched them, so. There's also that. Um, so did I watch anything else? Oh, I watched some Halloween cartoons. I watched the Garfield and uh, Charlie Brown. <laughs> I don't know, do, you, do you want detailed plot descriptions of either one of those? Or? <laughs> There's just ones. I don't, I don't get it, but if you feel inclined to talk about how much you enjoyed them, no, I just they're just the ones that I've been. It's not even a question of whether I enjoy them. I just I've watched them since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to watch them every year at Halloween. I was a little annoyed this year that I didn't get the opportunity to watch them with any kids. I ended up having to just sit. It was like Halloween night at eleven o'clock. I'm like, I haven't watched those yet. <laughs> Everybody else has gone to bed. I'm going downstairs to watch children's cartoons. Yes. <laughs> Doug runs in and starts waking children up. <laughs> It's time for Garfield. Come on. <laughs> so. I used to have a DVD set with all the Charlie Brown stuff on it. But then I think Amanda let someone borrow it, and I haven't seen it since. I have The Great Pumpkin on DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garfield is just available through YouTube, so I just watched it that way. I think I sought it out on DVD one time, but it was like kind of expensive, and I was like, I don't. It's on YouTube, though. Why would I pay for it? <laughs> Especially those sites where you can just download download the video off YouTube and then you have it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even bother to do that. <laughs> I've, I have like 12 devices in my home that can play YouTube. It's not like... It's... Yeah, I know. But sometimes, you know, people get copyright happy and then that stuff gets taken down. Yeah. It's been there for years. I don't think it's going to be an issue. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think that was it. Unless there's anything else you didn't post on Instagram. No, I think that's all I got to this, which is quite a bit, I guess. But. Oh, and I just stumbled across Weird Al Yankovic tw- or sending out a picture of Paul Rudd dressed up as Weird Al from Halloween yesterday. Amazing. Nice. 
Weird Al Yankovic put up a post on Instagram that was like, after scouring the internet, I've discovered all my favorite Halloween costumes of the year, and it's all just pictures of people dressed as him. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the perfect post from him. That's, uh, that's nice. For some reason, everything he posts, Jamie Lee Curtis likes. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> I don't know why those two are friends, but sure. <laughs> that's a buddy movie I want to see. It was even like, because even like on Weird Al's birthday, like, she sent him like an Instagram post and like tagged him in it or whatever. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember thinking like, because because I follow them both, I get like the notifications from each. I'm like, well, that's weird that those two are friends. Like enough that they're actually like mentioning each other and stuff, not just kind of celebrity friends who, who you know tag each other if the whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. I just want to be in Hollywood and see them hanging out together. That would be amazing. Just like, really heard us weird out. It's like the most opposite haircuts in history. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's see. What did I watch? I watched. First up, I watched a Shutter movie called The Witch in the Window. Um. So, this guy, uh, who is can't tell if they're divorced or they're getting divorced either way he's not living at home so he picks up his son and they're gonna go because apparently his thing is flipping houses so he picks up this his son to go work with him on this house like in the country um and of course while they're working on it some weird stuff happens and then they find out from a neighbor that the old woman that used to live there everybody thought she was a witch and we find out through the movie and it's not a spoiler but that yes she was a witch and so weird shit keeps happening in this house and it's pretty much just in a, it's like a low super low budget film but it's all completely atmosphere and i think it works pretty well there is some uh, hang-ups on some different things but overall i think it sort of does what it intended to um could have done it better but obviously could have done it way worse so uh and that's shutter exclusive so uh, you need Shutter to go watch it, but you know, if you have Shutter, it's pretty much free, so I'd say it's worth a watch. Um, I also watched Bloodfest, which after watching uh, Hellfest, and I found this movie Bloodfest, which is uh, essentially came out at the same time. So the sort of the idea of people having the same idea and two movies coming out, and one of them it sort of gets like a super wide release, and the other one goes straight to VOD. Uh, so there's Bloodfest, which is essentially sort of like a convention, like a horror convention. Uh, but it is still set up where like this giant park is divided into different sections and whatnot. Um, but we find out when they get there that the guy who's organizing it, uh, lets loose just a bunch of psychos with chainsaws and shit into the park to kill people. And it's he's making it essentially filming it and making his own horror movie, but for real. Um, this one is much more comedic than the last one. Uh, probably the funniest thing is uh, they show like the uh, advertisement on the computer of like, hey, there's going to be all this and blah blah blah, and they just make up like people who were in movies to be guests, like uh, the series. 
the series that they're sort of promoting for this one is like the Arborist. And so, of course, it's a very Jason type guy that uses like tools that you would use to cut down trees and stuff. Um, but yeah, there's making up all these fake celebrities. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the advertisement, they just say, and Zachary Levi will be doing karaoke with, with all of his fans, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that's weird that they just name drop Zachary Levi for no reason. And then sure enough, like 10 minutes later, Zachary Levi shows up as himself and uh, is like, you know, stuck in the middle of this, like, holy shit, like all these murderers are running around killing people. And he's like, and I just, I just saw my friends get murdered. And one of the girls there, the only thing she could talk to him about is how much she loved him in the, the Disney movie Tangled. <laughs> so he's talking about how he just saw all of his friends get murdered, and and she's like, "Yeah, I just, I just, I just really loved you in Tangled." And he just looks at her, doesn't say anything, and then just goes back to what he's talking about, and it happens like four times. So. That's probably like the funniest part of the movie. Uh, like it's okay. It's definitely low budget, um, but I feel like they did pretty well with the budget they had. Um, I would say Hellfest is better, but you know, what are you gonna do? Um, after that, I watched The Relic, which I had never seen before. Um, Tom Sizemore is a homicide detective in Chicago, investigating all these murders in the museum. And then we find out that there is a giant monster living underneath the museum killing people. Uh, I know people really like this movie, and I thought it was just okay. I don't know if it's the 90s part aspect of it, but there were, I don't know, there was stuff that I just, just I, I think, again, the problem I had, one of the problems I had with Split Second is there's a giant monster killing people. And it's sort of the same situation. Like, okay, there's a giant monster in this museum. And nobody could seem to be able to track it down. It's like, yeah, we don't know where this thing's hiding. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, when you finally see it, you're like, this is a giant fucking monster. How does nobody see him after he, like, decapitates somebody and skulks away? So weird. But uh, it was all right. Tom Sizemore was pretty good. That's when you kind of get that, oh, shit, that's right. He used to be a really good actor. And then he got himself hooked on drugs. I think the relic, one of the reasons why people have such great memories of it is because it was a monster movie when there was a monster movie drought. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that sometimes is just movies that come out at a particular time. Is just the. Oh, yeah, this was 97. So this would have been right. Probably like the Scream fad started right after this. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, I was just kind of like, eh. Other people are just like, oh my god, I love it. I'm like, all right, I guess. Um, and then the only other thing I watched was uh, my friend Wes had told me that he had still had yet to see the new It because his girlfriend had no interest in seeing it when it was out. So I told him yesterday, I'm like, why don't you guys just come over while we hand out candy and we'll watch movies. And of course, I picked It for us to watch. Uh, still enjoyed it. Still thought it was pretty good. Um, I am anxious to see Chapter 2 when it comes out. I mean, I think the cast list they got set up for it's pretty good. So, interested to see how it plays out. And then, 
once you have the whole story to kind of see how I feel about it. Um, still really enjoyed like chapter one, but I want to see if chapter two is going to keep that up or if it's kind of going to fall apart. Because that was the problem with the, for me with the the miniseries, is all the stuff I felt all the stuff with the kids was really good, and then when it's just the adults, you kind of it kind of started getting boring. But then like overall, I still really enjoy the miniseries, so I kind of want to see if the movie improves on that or if it's going to be the same sort of fatigue or not. <clears throat> yeah. Interesting to see how the second one holds up, and it's it's weird how far apart they're coming out. It's almost like are people still going to be interested? I think people will, mm. but yeah, I'm curious to see. Yeah, I figured that would have been fast tracked. Like as soon as the first chapter came out, that that like you know the next week they would have been had a full cast already and getting ready to shoot. But I don't know. Maybe if they're taking time, that at least means they're trying to do it right so i guess that might be a good sign see yeah. uh, I, i'm hopeful that's that's all i'm willing to say <laughs> on that i'm like i don't want to get my hopes up too high but yeah which is what i did with the first one because i was really like there's no way this is going to be good and then uh you know ended up actually really enjoying it so, so we'll see here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future all right, uh, next week, uh, we are going to be talking about two show, two movies that, uh, which I've never seen Endgame. Was you that suggested Endgame, Noah? Yeah, Endgame's an Italian knockoff of The Running Man and a few okay. other things. Good. So we're going to be talking about Death Row Game Show and Endgame. So two sort of uh, Running Man-esque knockoff movies um now when i was looking up death row game show i did say it was a comedy which i don't know if i remembered but eh, we'll see how it goes next week maybe end up being a bad week <laughs> <laughs> the movies might be terrible next week and we might be all yeah. i'm i'm pretty sure you guys are going to enjoy Endgame. it's not a good movie but it's very fucking fun to watch <laughs> Oh, shit, that doesn't help any. Yeah. I'm reasonably confident that we've hated every movie you've described. That one. <laughs> uh, 50%, sir. I bat 50%. Wait, you are keeping track of your own stats. Nobody else thinks you're at 50%. <laughs> I don't even remember. Uh, so either we're going to be see something, see two awesome movies that we had no idea. Or, or they'll both just be bad and I'll get yelled at, which will be fine. Yeah, somebody else better watch something interesting to talk about or when we're done complaining about those. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.